You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. All right, so last week we started talking about the subject of how to maintain our peace. And obviously, I think all of us know that there's a lot of uh, unpeace, dispeacefulness out there right now. And the, you know, it's like we talk about how the mercies of God are new every morning. Well, the worries of the world seem to be new every morning too, you know. I mean, they just give us more and more reasons if you're listening to them. And I kind of recommend you minimize that. But, uh, you know, if you're listening to all the, all the stuff out there, it's, it's just, you know, they, they can think of so many reasons to be afraid and, and to worry. So that's out there. I mean, that's always an issue for us. Uh, but we really, I think at this time, I think it's so important. I think one of the roles of the church, there are a number of things that are really important for the church to be doing right now. Certainly interceding and praying for people. But it is so important for us to go about everything that we do in peace, in the peace of God, in that supernatural peace that the Bible says transcends understanding. It goes beyond, it, doesn't, it means it doesn't make any sense, okay? But it's there, it's there in our hearts. And uh, so I want to go back through a couple of scriptures that we looked at last week, but then I want to move into some new ones this week. And again, to me, this whole part of this study um, is a foundation for uh, taking some time to talk about prayer and talk about the different kinds of prayer and what we need to be doing in prayer. But one of the characteristics of the life of Jesus Christ, certainly, was the peace that he carried. And I always, you know, to me, the classic picture of this was in the boat, out on the lake, in the middle of the storm, and he's asleep. You know, I mean, there, there you go. It doesn't make any sense, but he was asleep. And, and, you know, the way we look at that is there was no storm where Jesus was in that place of peace. And he was, he was at rest in the Father. It's a classic picture. And then he stands up and releases faith, releases the peace that was in him through faith. And those two, that's what the Lord's just been showing me so much or just emphasizing to me here recently is this connection between peace and faith. And that if we're going to have a powerful prayer life, our prayers need to be coming from that place of peace coupled with faith. And again, I I think I said this, we'll probably talk about it as we get into a study on prayer. You know, we we do, we throw up panic prayers sometimes. And it seems like God's gracious enough to, to hear those and to deal with those. But that's really not the place that we want to have our prayer life established is just panic. You know, we we really want to be standing in this place of boldness and confidence that that is encompassed in this whole idea of peace. So let's look at a few verses here. And I'm I'm going to go through and just give you a little bit. Uh, If you weren't here last week, you probably want to pick up the, you know, either listen to the podcast or, or watch it online or whatever. Uh, But here in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, and and remember, uh, all of these chapters, uh, really 13, 14, 15, 16, even 17, which is a prayer, all of those, these were all 
uh, Jesus said all these things uh, when he was just about to go to the cross. And he left all these thoughts with his disciples. And he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. All right, the Amplified brings out this idea. It is a perfect peace and confidence. Peace and confidence. I want you to get those two things together in your thinking today. This peace produces confidence. When we have peace in our heart with God, we walk out in confidence. And, and we'll get into a little bit more of that in just a minute. And then he says, in the world, you have or will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. I, I love these kind of verses because Jesus says, I've told you all these things so that in me you can have perfect peace. And then he says, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trial. I've told you many times that that word tribulation is a Greek word that, Greek word that was used to describe a torture that the Romans used if they'd lay somebody on one big stone slab and they'd slowly lower another one on top of them until they crushed them to death, you know, and suffocate them. It was a horrible, the Romans had some really serious stuff that they did. And, you know, and that's the word that Jesus used about what we're going to run into in the world. And so he says, I, I want you to have perfect peace. Oh, by the way, the world's going to crush you to death at every turn. And then he says, but, you know, and this, this kind of reminds me of after the resurrection. It's always funny to me when he walks into the, the upper room and he comes through the door. I mean, the door is locked, comes through the door. You can imagine, I mean, how be you're locked in a room, you're afraid, you think people are going to come and haul you away and kill you. And so you've locked yourself up in a room that you think is safe and somebody just walks through the wall, you know, into the room. And then he said, you know, I just can picture, you know, the, the fear that came upon everybody. And then he says, peace be with you. I just think God has a sense of humor, you know, and he, and he it's just, so anyway, he puts these two things together. He says, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. He was right, but be of good cheer. And that term, it means take courage. Think about how many times through the scripture, I, think I, was, I went back to Joshua chapter one. The other day. I mean, the Lord said over and over and over, okay, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you get up and go. He said, be strong and courageous over and over and over. You're going to have to be strong and courageous. Uh, the, the, I don't remember the number now, but the, the idea of um, do not fear appears hundreds of times in the Bible. God does not want us to live in fear. So he says, take Courage. Take courage. Courage is something we can draw out of this peace he's given to us. Be confident, certain, and undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you. He's pointing us to a higher reality than this natural reality that we live in. And it's one of the huge keys to living in a place of peace is knowing that all of this stuff is going to pass away. This life is just this life. It is short. It is brief. It is a breath. I, I think we should, you know, in, enjoy it and sow into it and, and live in it. I mean, it's given to us for a reason, but it's brief. And whatever happens, it's brief. Whatever happens in this earth, 
There, it is nothing in comparison to the glory that we live in and will live in in Jesus Christ. So he says, I have overcome the world. Because of that, he says, you can have perfect peace. All right, we looked at John, and I don't have all these up on the screen again, but last year or last week we looked at John 14, 1 and 2, where it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. The Passion Translation there said, do not worry or surrender to your fear. For you have believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. Do not worry or surrender to your fear. And again, God never gives us instructions like that as a challenge to our natural ability to get them done. He pours his grace out when we accept that idea. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not surrender to fear. Every one of us are going to face fear. Every one of us are going to have that come up and present itself to us. Jesus said, don't surrender to it. Don't, I mean, think about that term, surrender, capitulate, you know, uh, throw down your weapons and give in to it and let it begin to dominate you. Jesus said, we don't have to. We don't have to. And I, and I just, I always really feel it just grieves my heart to see people who will embrace every opportunity for fear and anxiety and worry and those kinds of things. There are lots of realities out there that are unpleasant, but they're, they're lower than the reality that we have in Christ. They don't undo the blessings of God. The Lord is bigger than this. He understands. He knows. He has a solution. He makes a way. He has a way through. I mean, there's so many things we could say about it, mindsets that we can take, but it's really key that every one of us, we obviously, he tells us to do this, means we have the authority to refuse fear, to not let it grip our hearts. Again, it'll present itself. The situation may be very real. God has a solution to it. Grabbing hold of fear is not the solution for sure. That one is to be, if we surrender to fear, that means that fear, we become a captive of fear. Fear begins to tell us what we can and can't do, where we can and can't go, what's possible and impossible for us. None of those things, none of those, uh, none of those things belong to fear. None of those things belong to the world for you. Those things, what you can and can't do, who you can be, uh, what's impossible or possible, that all belongs to the Lord. That all belongs to God for us. It doesn't belong to fear. So don't worry. Don't surrender to fear. We looked at John 14.27, uh, 14, where he said, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. So don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. There's a choice there. Don't yield to fear. Don't surrender to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. There's a choice there. It's probably me, huh? He says, yeah, it's you. It's not us. It's probably this. This thing's had a little crack in it for a while. I'm hoping it'll make it through. I'm trying to think. There was an example. I just hate to use it. It's a really terrible 
terrible. Um, I can't use that. It was something that happened in my life, <laughs> but it's not a good thing to share. I mean, I share plenty of sins and stuff, but this was just an awful thing. Anyway, uh, there was a point in my life where I was going a certain direction, and I was, I was trying to share with a friend of mine that I was becoming really afraid. And as I was doing that, there was, and this was way before I was a Christian, there became an awareness that came over me. And, and actually, I was, I was talking about this fear. I was talking about this thing. I was talking about this thing that was going on. And, and I said, I just feel like everybody and everything is pointing at me. And I looked up, and he's sitting there pointing at me. He thought it was funny. And when, when that happened, uh, because of the drugs I was on, uh, which is why I didn't want to talk too much about it, I, it, was like, it was like this overwhelming fear rose up right there. And I knew in that moment that I could choose to go that way and probably end up in the hospital or not. I could just choose not to go that way. And so I didn't. And that experience as, you know, obviously was not a godly moment in my life stuck with me from then on that, you know what? And I had a number of times too, I mean, with through hang gliding, through different things we've done. There are places where it's like, well, you can either give in to fear right now and things will go really badly for you, or you can keep your head, you can keep your sense, and you can choose not to go into fear and make a good decision. And so that just, and, and I don't know how else to, I wish I, I, wish I had a really nice uh, presentation of that for you. I don't. But, but it is the truth. There is a choice about fear and agitation. Every time you hear something on the news, every time, uh, you know, in the middle of the night when the devil wants to rise up and tell you how badly some things are going to go, there's always a choice, especially for us as Christians, to surrender to fear or not, and to instead be courageous. Doesn't mean you have all the answers right then. Doesn't mean you know what to do right then. But don't surrender to fear. Fear is, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like unforgiveness. It's like a number of other things. When we start to let it into one area of our life, you can't let it into any area of your life. You can't think that, well, I have a little fear concerning uh, my finances, but, I, but I'm going to be real strong in every other area of my life. It doesn't work. It, it invades. It takes more territory. Pretty soon, you're concerned, you're worried, you're agitated about everything, and it's next to impossible. I'm not saying God can't get whatever his message is through to you at that point, I'm saying it's really hard to hear from God at that point. And we make terrible decisions based on fear. And again, I think we throw up a lot of prayers that are inappropriate. I think we, we tend to, when we're afraid, we blame the wrong people. We blame God. We blame others. We, you know, we, we just get really messed up when we're in fear. We can reject fear. We can just not let it in. We can just not let it, I'm just going to have to stand real still because I think that's this wire. So, so this, let me, let me give this word. Sorry, should I go to the handheld? I really don't want to. Ooh, there it is. I found it. Here, 
Let's see if that works. It was trapped underneath, so it was... Never mind. You don't, you don't care. It was picking up the battery, and it was running it through. The shielding is breaking down in the wire. All right. Stop, stop leading me off the wrong direction. So this term peace, all right, in the scripture, this term peace, it means peace of mind and emotions. It means tranquility, stability, and strength, okay, that, get this, that arises from reconciliation with God and a sense of divine favor. Let me say that again. It is tranquility, stability, and strength that arises from, this is where it comes from. This is the only place it comes from, from reconciliation with God and a sense of divine favor, not peaceful circumstances. Jesus isn't saying we're not going to face bad circumstances. So what does that mean? That means that in my life, as I, as I get more grounded, that I am reconciled to God, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, that he loves me on my worst day, all of those kinds of things, that I am who I am in him and because of him, as that grows, peace is the fruit of that. It is a fruit of the spirit. It is a, a fruit that grows out of that reconciliation. And, and I know there's, there are, there are uh, and there are places in the Bible where the term peace is used to speak of peaceful circumstances or peace between nations or whatever. But when Jesus says, I leave peace with you, he's talking about this inward tranquility, this inward strength in the face of whatever happens. And it comes from the relationship with God. That is the source of it. When he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. It means to have the mind and the emotions agitated or disturbed by fear, anxiety, trepidation regarding circumstances or events. Um, when it says, don't be anxious, over and we looked at it last week, Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious for anything. That means don't take, welcome, or hold anxious, fearful, agitated thoughts in the mind. Don't take them. Don't hold them. So again, it's, and I know I'm just pounding on this, but it's so important for us to realize because this stuff comes up, you don't have to take it. You don't have to take the bait. All right, you getting anything? All right, so let's go over to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. I just have several verses here that I just want to go through. Uh, this one says, thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, get this, in returning to me and resting in me, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trusting confidence shall be your strength. All right, so in returning, it's the word for repentance. All right, so it means when we change our minds, that's what repentance means essentially is to change the mind. You, you decide that you've been believing something that's not right and you change your mind. You turn and you agree with what God says. That's what repentance is. Out of that will, become, will come different behavior for sure. But it's not just about deciding to change your behavior. It's not just about feeling sorry for something that you did. Repentance at its core means I change my thinking into agreement with God's thinking. I adopt God's thoughts as my own. I agree with the way he says life works instead of the way I've been doing it. I put my trust in him instead of whatever I've been trusting in. Okay, so he says in returning or repenting and resting in me, 
you'll find salvation. That means safety in this case. In resting in me, rest. The Bible talks a lot about rest. You guys know a lot of the verses. Jesus said, you know, if you're weary and heavy laden, you know, take my yoke upon you and, and I will give you rest, right? Rest is the outward manifestation of peace. When we have peace in the heart, we rest in God. It means that as it's not a, you know, it's not kicking back on the couch. It's not uh, ceasing to go forward, ceasing to work, ceasing to do things. It is quiet, peace, confidence in the midst of work, in the midst of going forward. It's resting in God as things come at you and as you go through things and as you address life. It's resting in God. He says, in returning to me and resting, you shall be saved in quietness and in trusting confidence shall be your strength. We're looking for strength. We're looking to be able to stand up and be bold. It's found in a place of quiet confidence. Again, when I associate this with prayer, there are a number of times where the Lord moves on you to get really loud and aggressive in prayer. Awesome. Be as loud as you want. But if you're loud, without that place of trusting confidence on the inside, see, the spirit realm, you know, uh, fear and faith both attract spiritual activity. Faith uh, personally, I mean, you know, we can have some different discussions about the theology of this. I don't believe that our faith so much moves God because God's already moved in Christ. He is, I believe that everything for us is already provided in Christ. Faith reaches out into grace and receives what God has already provided. You know, whatever. It's not a point I will argue with people over when we're trying to save a community. But uh, there's, you know, faith does release the word of God from us often or what God has us to pray in a way that moves angelic activity. We know that. The Bible tells us that the angels hearken to the voice of the Lord. And a lot of times that voice is coming through us as we are declaring and we are speaking. All of this stuff starts to move. There's it. Faith uh, draws, I don't know, excites, attracts, I don't know the right word, uh, spiritual activity on the positive side. Fear does the same thing on the negative side. What The Bible says in multiple places that what, what somebody has so greatly feared has come upon them. It's said in Job, it's said in Proverbs, what, what a person fears, you can draw demonic activity with it. All right? So we're looking for strength and we're looking to stand and to release strength to one another through the word, through declaration, through prayer, all these different ways. Well, this says that it's in a place of quiet confidence. And again, doesn't mean we have to always be quiet. It means that in my heart, I am, I am confident before God. I'm confident before the demonic hosts. I'm confident because I know who my God is. Does that make sense to you? And in this particular place, when it says strength, it's the Hebrew equivalent of our New Testament word dunamis. It means miracle, miracle working power. All right, so uh, in quietness and in confidence is that miracle working power for us. Isaiah, the next verse, chapter 30, verse 16 
it's, it, the Lord is having this conversation with Israel. And, and he says, in returning to me and resting in me, shall, you shall be saved in quietness and trusting confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. He says, and you said, so Israel said back to him, no, we will flee on horses. All right, so God's dealing with them about, he's warning them about an enemy that's coming, right? And, and he says, here's where your strength is. And their response is, and don't laugh because we all do it. Oh no, I've got this God. I've got it. We've got horses, man. We, we, don't, we don't need, you know, for you to step in and do this. We've got horses. We'll flee on horses. And so God's response to that is, therefore, you will flee from your enemies. Okay, you think your horses are going to take care of you? And they, and they go back again and they say, no, no, no. We will ride on swift horse. We've got really fast horses, God. I've got this under control. And, and he says, therefore, those who pursue you will be swift. What he's saying there is when we, instead of having our trust and our confidence in God and resting in that place of peace in him, praying from there, acting from there, instead of that, we have our trust in something we can do. We have our trust in our own ability, what we can get done, whatever it is. The message here is that when we put our trust in those kinds of natural things, it actually empowers the enemy. And that empowering is linked to the thing we're putting our trust in. They're saying, oh, we, you know, we've got really fast horses. We'll trust in our horses. And he's saying, yeah, well, then your enemy's going to have even faster horses. So you're going to run from them, but you're, you're going to run, and they're going to be even faster. And the, if we take that out and we start to apply that to our own lives and the things that we face, when we start putting our trust in our money, then somebody with more money isn't, this is the way I see this, is empowered to overtake us. When we put our trust for our healing and our health in the healthcare system, and I'm not against the healthcare system. They're trying to get people healed. I mean, I understand that's, that's, that's God's heart. But I, you know, if I go to the doctor, I pray for that doctor. I pray for them to have the wisdom of God and be able to help, and that's okay, but I know that healing comes from God. And my ultimate trust is not in that human being. It's just not. They make mistakes. My dad was a doctor. They make mistakes. He said this all his, all his life was that, you know, it's, it's not an exact science. It changes all the time. I mean, if you've lived any length of time at all, you've seen this. You know, this is the way you do it now. This is the exact thing, man. Don't eat an egg. Whatever you do, you eat more than one egg a week. You're going to die, man. You're going to, you know, and then, you know, 20 years later, oh, you know, we're not even sure that cholesterol actually is what builds up in the arteries and is a problem. We just, you know, but let's not change all of the money that's being made from what we've been telling you for the last 20. Anyway, anyway, point is, when we put our confidence, I'm not talking about going and being a part, you can use the banking system. You can use a financial advisor. You can use, all those are good things. But where is your heart confidence in things? Our heart confidence needs to be in God because that's where the power comes from. That's where the life comes from. That's where the strength comes from. Does that make sense to you? So this is, you know, you can meditate on this verse yourself, thirty sixteen. I just think, that's an important verse and there's a lot more in there than what we see on the surface. But I mean, I know we do this. I know we stand up and say, I've got it. You know, I, I've, I've got this. I can do this, God. And we just empower 
the enemy by not resting in him as we do whatever. I hope that makes sense. All right. Isaiah 26, verse 3. I told you, I've just got a number of verses I just want to go through today. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast. Get this. That is committed and focused on you. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is committed and focused on you. You know, I think the King James that we all learned growing up was whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is stayed on you. This is a verse that we use over and over and over in counseling with people who are agitated and scared and, and worried. It's like, you've got to get your focus on the Lord. You've got to get your, you've got to get your thoughts on God. You've got to get him focused in. You've got to start looking at him. And it's like, well, that's way too simple. My problem is so complex and that solution is way too simple. And, but that's the way it is. God will give you along the way solutions to the problem and ways to walk through it. But we've got to get our minds set on him, stayed on him, steadfast, fixed on him. That is a source of peace. If you are constantly, if you spend two minutes with God in the morning, well, let's be generous. Let's say 15 minutes with God in the morning and two and a half, three, four hours throughout the day watching the news and four or five or six hours talking with people that are spewing nothing but fear. What do you think is going to happen in your heart? You know, that's not guarding your heart. So he says, and I, I love this. I want you to listen to this. Your mind needs to be steadfast, committed and focused on you in both inclination and character. Okay, in both inclination and character. I know I mentioned this last week. I want us to talk about that a little bit. Inclination means what do you lean toward? And this is a question for all of us to ask ourselves. When something comes up, what is my natural reaction, response, where do I go with it? How do I handle a threat? How do I handle something that comes up that's like, oh no, man, I hope that doesn't happen. I, you know, uh, I, I hope they don't undo the whole postal system. You know, I, you know whatever the latest is, like I said, the, the world's worries are new every morning, okay? And, and, so, and then they'll find different ways, you know, to worry about the same thing, different new ways to phrase it, because they're selling you worry, I mean, it's true. They're selling you fear and it sells. There's a lot of money in propagating fear. So the, the idea is, okay, I need to know about myself. What is the inclination of my heart and mind? Do I, when I hear things, am I at a point where I say, but the word says, is that the inclination? Is that, or God, I need to know what your word says. But I mean, my inclination, I lean into finding out what the word says about that situation. Or is my inclination, I grab hold of what's said and then go search for, for more fear about it. Go pick it apart. Go find, go see, go ask all my friends if they're afraid of it yet, you know? And I'm not, you know, I'm not being mean. It, it's the way a lot of people have grown up. It's, I told you last week, we've known loads and loads of people that worry was the way their family showed care. 
And so they grew up, if, if I'm not worrying, I'm not caring. And if you're not worrying about me, you're not caring for me. And if we're not all worrying about the world, then we don't care. You know, and so, so we get in this cycle of fear and it has torment. The Bible says fear has torment. It torments us. It keeps us awake at night and not living very long. You know, it, it ruins our lives. So what is the inclination and the character or nature? What's the nature of most of my thoughts? Are they godly thoughts? Are they fearful thoughts? Are they angry thoughts? Are they bitter thoughts? Are they thoughts of rejection? Are they, you know, and what do I worry about? What, what are some of those triggers in my life that brings me back into fear when I know good and well I shouldn't be there? Those are things to address with God so that we can get to where the inclination and the character of our thoughts are on God. Does that make sense? They're, they're focused on the Lord, on his word, on what he has said. So, you know, so then the obvious question is, how do I change the inclination and the nature of my thoughts? And I'm really glad you asked that question. So in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, all right, the Lord gives us, I mean, this is just so practical. All right, Philippians 4, 8, I'm sure most of you know these verses. Let's look at them anyway. Let's pick them apart this morning. This is the Amplified Version. It says, Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The, the Passion Translation somewhere along in here says, fasten your thoughts to them. Fasten your thoughts. And I'm telling you, I can feel it right now. There are people thinking, boy, that's so naive. It's just naive. There's so much stuff going on in the world. I need to know about all this stuff going on in the world. We don't have to be ignorant of what's going on in the world to do this. These are heart attitudes, but these are habits. And you know how it is when we develop a habit, you got to break that. There's a physical component to that. When we think a certain way for a long period of time, or not all that long a period of time, I mean, we get there are grooves in our brain. There are little literal electrical pathways in our brain that are built because we think on a certain thing and we think a certain way. And those have to be changed. We have to be intentional. That's why God said, meditate the word day and night. Don't let it depart out of your mouth. We can change the way we think. Literally, the way we think. Not just what we think about, but the way we think. So we need to fasten our thoughts on the right things. I told you last week, we need to learn to backtrack when we figure out that we start out the day in peace and now I have no peace, I'm, I'm angry or I'm fearful or I'm bitter or I'm agitated, I'm whatever. Where did I lose it? Where did the peace? Karen and I were joking about this the other day because I had just taught this and then we were driving together and something came up in the car, an issue with a person and, and she right away popped up. Gee, where did we lose our peace? Yeah, it was like <laughs> a minute ago. So it was easy to deal with. 
But you go back to that thought or that event or that whatever, that encounter, that person you ran into at City Market that you're really hoping not to see, and which isn't what happened, by the way. Uh, but, but anyway, you know, something like that happens. You lose your peace. You got to go back. You got to reevaluate it. You got to figure out what's God's way of dealing with it. Pray through it. Get your peace back. Okay? And we need to pray. We'll get into this more in future weeks. From peace and into peace. It needs to be our foundation for prayer. And we should be in peace when we're done with prayer, even if we're not starting out there. Okay? Uh, if we come out of prayer just as anxious as we went in, we did something wrong. So, so this is what it says. It says we need to fasten our thoughts to what is true. I'm going to give you this list. All right? That what is true means whatever conforms to the nature of God's reality. Not just what we see, not, not this physical thing. What conforms truth is who God is, what he said. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So we have to be able to fasten our thoughts to God's way of thinking, to God's viewpoint, to the way he says it is. Even if it's not that way now, we want to pray it to where it is the way God says it should be, right? So we've got to fasten our thoughts to what agrees with God's nature and God's word. Fasten your thoughts to it, all right? When they deviate, bring them back. Whatever is honorable, Okay, that means whatever is worthy of respect. This actually comes up several times in this list. What is worthy of respect, what is reputable, what is honorable. I'm just often amazed by some of the stuff that we as believers let influence us. Our ways of thinking, what we believe, what we'll take in. We let a lot of stuff out of popular culture influence our thinking. It's not honorable. It's not reputable. It's not something you want to pass on to your kids. You know, it's, it's, it's none of those things. Fasten your thoughts on what's honorable. That's a word we as a society really need to start thinking again about what is honorable. You know? Yeah, I'll leave that alone. What is right and confirmed by the word. This is the term in the King James, it says just. What is just? Okay? Well, what is just is the next right thing to do. It is, this is what this word means. It speaks of something that conforms to the right thing to do. Okay? What's the right thing to do in this situation? It, it speaks of that which is expected as the duty of a citizen, either of heaven or of earth. What's expected? What's your duty as a citizen? That's, that's what's just. And also what is claimed as a right by those citizens. What is, what is claimed, you know, regardless of what you might think about where America is today, our founding documents were absolutely built upon biblical principles. There's no question about it. Our Bill of Rights gives us framework for this, this is what's right for people. These are the things that every human being has a right to, not because the government said so, because God said so, and the government's role is to uphold that, okay? Not to create it, not to give it, but to uphold it. This is the way our, our system was designed. So there's a duty as a citizen. There's also what is right for us. That's what this is talking about. Fix your mind on those things. And, and the, the other um, option there 
is to continually feed on what's wrong, to continually feed on injustice. Now, injustice needs to be dealt with, and God's big on that, by the way. But when we just focus on injustice, we don't fix injustice. We usually create more injustice trying to fix injustice. We need to focus on what's right and doing what's right and being honest, upright, honorable citizens. Okay, we don't eliminate justice by focusing on it. He says, fix your, fix your mind on what is pure. Okay, that means free from defilements and impurities. It means what is innocent, what is blameless, what is modest and chaste. Have any of you heard those words? Modest and chaste. What is holy? What does that look like? How many of you have seen in the last few years uh, one of the um, Super Bowl halftime shows? It's the opposite of that, okay? That's what this word pure means. The, the exact opposite. Go watch it on YouTube or don't. And, and, then, and then go, okay, the opposite of that, that's pure. I'm supposed to fix my mind on that, all right? Whatever is lovely, that means what's pleasing, what's agreeable, what's beautiful, God created beauty. He created us to create beauty. Humans have an appreciation for beauty in all different facets, okay? In, in nature, in, in machines, in art. I mean, you may, may see it anywhere. But God says, focus on it. Soak in it. I think this is interesting because this is about, to me, this is kind of, and you may not feel this way, this is kind of impractical. This is kind of, uh, it's just for pleasure, some beauty, seeing beauty. But when we learn to see beauty, then we're, then, gosh, then we're not looking at what's ugly all the time. We're not filled with that. We're not constantly dragged down into that. We're enjoying, we're thankful. We have gratitude. We see, uh, you know, we just noticed we have hummingbird feeders and, you know, they've been there snacking and stuff. And all of a sudden, what, two days ago, three days ago, went from, you know, a couple here and there to hordes. They must be getting ready to travel, is my guess. I don't know what happened. But now, sitting there just watching all these and thinking about those little birds and the way they're constructed and the way they can fly and hover around each other. It's, it's fascinating. To me, it is beautiful. It is amazing. It is seeing God's creativity in those little birds. So, focus on that. Take some time. Get your, you know, get your head out of the news and focus on that. What serves to bring joy and peace. Focus on what serves to bring joy and peace. Okay? Pre-1995 BMW motorcycles. I'm pretty sure that's in the, in the Greek there. And then it goes on. It says, focus on what is admirable and of good repute. So here it is again. What's of a good reputation? Something you could admire or look up to. Traits you want to aspire to. Traits you want to pass on to your kids. Think on them. Think on them. Look at them. Think about them. Meditate on them. And, and you know, again, I know it's like, but there's so many issues I have to deal with. You got to do this. If you want to have peace, you've got to take time for these things. Focus on the next one, excellence and praise. This means moral excellence, where you find moral excellence. Read some history about moral excellence, where you find moral excellence. Focus on it. 
courage, fortitude, boldness to say and do the right thing. These, this, this grouping is seen as virtues that accompany the preaching of the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is moral excellence. There is courage. There is boldness. All of that is released through the preaching of the gospel. Does that make sense to you? So, I mean, this, these verses, this verse, Philippians 4.8, is really practical, but I can say for me, I don't do it enough. And I don't go in and, and I, I like this list because it's like, okay, I need to start making a bigger deal of these things when I see them. I need to start letting them soak into me because that's what I'll reproduce. And from that place of peace, again, it's not ignorance. It's not la-la land, don't have any idea what's going on. It is a heart attitude that comes from my reconciliation to God, everything's going to be okay because I'm reconciled to God. Now, what, Lord, do you need me to do in this day and in this hour? What do you need me to pray today? Who do you need me to speak to today? What devil do you need me to cast out today? Who can I lay hands on? I mean, you know, there's, a, there's an aggressive posture to Christianity, but it needs to come with that inward Peace. It's what we see in Jesus. It's what we see in Jesus. He even, I mean, he enjoyed people. He, he you know, he, he enjoyed things. They went off to pretty places along the Sea of Galilee to take a break. I mean, it, you know, he did all that. This, I hope this makes sense to you. Let's just stand up and pray together today. Uh, and let me just throw this in at the end. So Jesus told us, we have it in the Gospels. He said when, he told his disciples when they went out to minister when they went out to minister, he said, you're, you're carrying peace. When you go into a home, he said, if that home is worthy, and that word worthy means receptive. If that home is receptive, let your peace come upon it. So peace is something we can release in the places we go. And, and he said, if it's rejected, if they're unworthy, but the, the real term there is if, they're re, if it's rejected, then let it come back to you. Don't just leave it there. Take it with you. But so peace is something we carry and can transmit. And I think that's a huge part of who we're supposed to be and need to be right now. I mean, all the time, but right now it's big. And I think that's why the Lord led me into this. We need to, and when you think of those disciples that he was sending out, these weren't just wimpy people that were, I mean, these were, these were tough guys with tough jobs and they were going out into rejection. They were going out into tremendous um, confrontation, spiritually and naturally. They were not going to be accepted. Most of them were martyred in the end. But he said, when you go, realize you're carrying peace. And you can deliver it where you go. You can deliver it. And if it's rejected, just pick it back up. In other words, don't lose it. Don't walk away and where did I leave my peace? Pick it back up. Go to the next place. Okay? This, this is our role. Father... Lord, I just pray in all of this, Lord, that we would absorb this, I guess, is, is what I want, is Holy Spirit, help us to absorb this. Help us, Lord, to go out there and even in confrontation, Lord, even in confronting things in prayer or, or dealing, even in confrontation, in tough circumstances, in times where we don't know what the next step is, Lord, 
We want to walk in that peace because it's, it's our inheritance. You gave it to us, Lord. We're not going to let fear steal it from us. It belongs to us. And so I'm asking this very week, Lord, for some real powerful supernatural deliveries of peace into places around this community that we can walk in and where we go, that peace will go. And Father, we can help other people as they calm down to come to a, a real understanding of who you are and what you have for them. Father, I, I just I pray this. I pray for those opportunities, Lord, for us to be peacemakers and peace givers in this world this week. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin of the world. We're going to open those doors over there so we can go out that way. And then if anybody wants to hang around, we love hanging around. It's really nice back here. If you haven't been back here, it's a nice table. We've got umbrellas and it's just wonderful. So anyway, Karen even has a little fountain back there. All right, so one, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.